Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. Today, it's my privilege to share with you once again another message from God's wonderful word. And as usual, if you would like to follow along the outline of the message, uh, it's available for you there uh, in the back, printed or on the Bible app. Just make sure you choose Encounter Church from Events on the Bible app. Y como siempre, el bosquejo está disponible en español también, impreso allá atrás o en la aplicación de la Biblia. Alrighty. Well, the first few Sundays of 2021, uh, we were sort of just setting up the theme, the prophetic theme of the year, right? And uh, I would encourage you, uh, you know, we had one Sunday in person, and then we had to have one Sunday virtual, and then we were back again, and uh, man, but we, the, the first few Sundays of the year were all about just preparing our hearts and our minds for this year's word, for this year's theme, which is multiply, right? Come on, our word for this year, the, the prophetic word God gave us for 2021 is multiply. And I just want to encourage you, um, if you didn't, uh, weren't with us with one of the first couple of Sundays of the year, go back and listen to the podcast. It'll, help, it'll just help you kind of catch up and be ready to hit the ground running, which is what we're going to do today. Who's ready to hit the ground running with Mark? All right, we've been, we've been saying it again and again. We're going to start it, and we're going to start it today. But first of all, uh, let's, let's uh, declare our 2021 theme verse, our memory verse. Some of you probably memorized it already by now. Acts chapter 6, verse 7. Then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly. Come on, now your turn. Then the... Acts 6, 7. All right. Very good. And all this year, our aim, our goal is to multiply the culture of Jesus through the words of Jesus. Speaking of the words of Jesus, today we begin our journey through the entire gospel of Mark. And what we're going to do is from now probably take us close to the rest of the year, right? We're going to read chapter by chapter, verse by verse, passage by passage, story by story, every single word through the gospel of Mark. Now, this is not typical here at Encounter Church. We have read uh, chapters, uh, you know, in order, verse by verse before, but that's not what we always do. And but for this year, I really felt like the Holy Spirit said, read through the entire gospel of Mark together on Sundays. And as you do, my words are going to multiply my values, my culture, and my people. And so that's what we're getting started on today. I believe as we read through the whole book of Mark, the gospel of Mark, the words of Jesus, we're not just going to hear them, we're not just going to see them, they're going to get in our heart, they're going to get in our mind, they're going to renew us, and they're going to reproduce and multiply all that Jesus is in us so that 
we can also multiply, he can also multiply through us, right? We're going to receive the word, but we're also going to plant the word in others because that's how multiplication happens. Um, and, uh, you know, as we do this, we'll give extra focus to the actual words of Jesus, okay? And so I want to just, like I said, hit the ground running with it. Now, as we read through Mark, as we get started this morning, okay, uh, as we read through it this year, we're actually going to be together reading from the Amplified Translation of the Bible. Why? Because that will help us dig deeper and understand better the words of Jesus and the words of the Gospel of Mark, okay? And so we're going to be reading from the Amplified, and I just want to point out, if the Amplified is new to you, um, just remember, the Bible was not written in English, right? Okay? The Bible, the New Testament was written in Greek, okay? was written in Greek. And so when you read the Amplified version, you're reading it in English, and then in brackets, and parentheses, you have the Greek uh, sort of explanations or definitions of the most important words or phrases. And so the Amplified is what we're going to be using to read through Mark. Who's ready to get started with Mark this morning? So we're going to go to Mark chapter 1, verse 1, and today our passage is verses 1 through 15. Now, I'm a Bible nerd, and I know that, that not everybody is, but I also know I'm not the only one. But one thing I'm going to be letting you guys know is everything we read in Mark, I want to tell you where you can cross-reference it and find it in the other Gospels, all right? So Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 15 can also be found in Matthew 3 and Luke 3, okay? So those of you that really want to study up on this, go to Matthew 3 and Luke 3 at home and read through it as well. But we're going to go Mark 1, 1 through 15. Ready? You sure? The beginning. I remind you, Mark, unlike Matthew and Luke, doesn't spend any time, okay, not even one, not even half a chapter on history or the events surrounding the birth of Jesus and all of that. No, Mark doesn't do all that. Matthew and Luke talk about the birth of Jesus and the Virgin Mary and the, 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 the wise men and, and all that kind of stuff, okay? But Mark goes directly, it starts right when Jesus is about 30 years old, beginning his ministry of the gospel, okay? And so when you start in Mark, you're already at Jesus' ministry. It says the beginning of the facts regarding the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, Okay. Let me just point out, if you read in uh, Matthew, Luke, and John, you will see Jesus referred to more as the Messiah and the Christ, but in Mark, he refers to Jesus as the Son of God. Does anybody know why? Because Mark was mainly written for us Gentiles, okay? Mark was mainly written as the gospel for those people that were not Jews. And so those who were not Jews, they may have known what the word Messiah meant, but it didn't mean as much to them. And Mark reveals right away Jesus' identity as God in the flesh. God himself in a human body, revealing himself to us, the Son of God. Come on, somebody say, Jesus is the Son of God. 
Verse 2, as it is written and remains and forever remains in the writings of the prophet Isaiah. So now we're going to get a quote from the prophet Isaiah. Behold, I send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Basically, prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Anybody want to try that with me? Why do you shake your heads no? Come on, turn to your left and say, prepare the way of the Lord. Turn to your right and say, make his path straight. See, back in the day in this culture, they uh, especially, uh, they lived in the wilderness, in the desert, okay? And so, uh, I've lived in a desert before, but it makes sense in the woods, too, here in Georgia, okay? And so, uh, if a nobleman or a king or somebody, a leader, somebody who was important was going to be traveling, they would literally have a work crew go before them and clear out the path, okay? So that the king or the noble, the nobleman wouldn't have uh, trouble traveling. And so, this is what was happening, okay? Of course, we're talking about John the Baptist. We're about to get to that, right? But he was literally sent, okay, to clear the road, to make the way, okay? John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist uh, is considered the last Old Testament prophet, okay? Of all of the prophets of the Old Testament, John the Baptist was the end of the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, Okay, he was the last prophet of his type. Okay, and his whole um, purpose was to prepare the way. And now, be careful, don't confuse John the Baptist with the disciple John. All right, John the Baptist was the son of, of Elizabeth and Zechariah, he actually was thought to be like Jesus' second cousin, third cousin, something like that. Okay, because Elizabeth and Mary were related. Who is already like, whoa, lots of information. All right. You guys all right? You liking this? Okay. So just when you read John the Baptist, don't think John, one of the 12 disciples. He's a different John. Okay. John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance. Does it say a baptism of water? No, no, no. What we all refer to as water baptism. We're going to get to it. By the way, that's not a bad term. Okay, we'll get to that in a minute. But it said John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness or in the desert preaching a a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. That is requiring a change of one's old way of thinking, turning away from sin and seeking God and his righteousness. And all the country of Judea and all the people of Jerusalem were continually going out to him. They were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. Come on, say baptism of repentance. We got any Gen Xers out there? Was anybody already saved in the 90s? <laughs> was okay was anybody already saved and born again and following Jesus in the 90s
says, John wore clothing made of camel's hair and had a wide leather band around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey, right? Come on, does anybody know? There was a man from the desert with naps in his head. The sand that he walked was also his bed. The words that he spoke made the people assume there wasn't too much left in the upper room. <laughs> with skin on his back and hair on his face, they thought he was crazy by the locust he ate. The Pharisees tripped when they heard him speak until the king took the head of this Jesus freak. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I got saved in the 90s, and that was the song, all right? Jesus freak. Go back and listen to it, and don't look at me like that. It was very cool, okay? <laughs> they actually just made a 25-year anniversary song of it. It made me feel extremely old. All right, so... John the Baptist, again, not John the Apostle or John, one of the 12 disciples. Sorry for my translator. I know you probably couldn't translate that. All right. Um, <laughs> it said he wore camel's hair clothing, skins, and he had a wide leather. So this wide leather belt they would wear around their waist was like, just think of like old school fanny pack, Okay. It was like six inches wide strip of leather. They would wear it around their waist and it had like clasps and fasteners where they would hang their dagger and their tools and their everything they needed to travel. So John wore camel skin and a big old belt with his knife and all this, all right? So this is, I'm just trying to get you guys to, to picture this, all right? And, and he ate locust, what we would call grasshoppers. And honey. Now, y'all, I like honey. Honey, in fact, is one of the most amazing things God created. But, y'all, I've tried grasshoppers twice, and I regretted it both times. <laughs> Why I tried it the second time, I don't know. It was, I just thought, well, I guess this is what missionaries do. We just go for it, you know. But both times I tried grasshoppers. It was a no. That's exactly right. But this is what he ate. And as he was preaching, saying, this is what he said, okay? This was John's main message, all right? After me comes one who is mightier, say mightier, more powerful, more noble than I. I'm not even worthy to stoop down and untie the straps of his sandals, even as his slave, as for, that's how much greater Jesus was going to be, okay, than the last prophet of the Old Testament, okay? That's how much greater Jesus is, the new covenant, than the old covenant, okay? As for me, I baptized you when you came to me with water only. It was just water. My baptism was just water. Now, I'm not downplaying water baptism. Again, we're going to come back to this, all right? But John was saying, my baptism, this water baptism, this baptism of repentance pales in, the comp in comparison to what Jesus is going to do. He says, I baptize you with only water, but he will baptize you who truly repent with the Holy Spirit. Whoo! Now, when it says he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit, that word in Greek, with, could also be by or in. 
Okay, so John was saying, I baptized you in the water for repentance. But when Jesus comes, he's going to baptize you in, with, and by the Holy Spirit. I don't know if we could get any more prepositions than that, right? I mean, it's just everywhere. That's what Jesus was coming to do. So we have the baptism of repentance and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're going to come back to both of those. Let's continue reading. Verse 9, in those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan, right? We know Jesus himself came to be baptized in order to do everything God said to do, right? To obey. Immediately, coming up out of the water, he, John, he, okay, when it says he saw, it's John saw this. I used to read this and think it was that Jesus saw it. No, John saw it. Okay, John saw this. He saw the heavens torn open. In other words, the barrier between the natural world and the spiritual world was, it was moved out of the way. And all of a sudden, he can see into the spiritual world. Okay, the, it says the heavens torn open and the spirit, okay, the spirit, like a dove, not the spirit was a dove, okay, and I know in most of the Jesus movies, when the Holy Spirit comes on Jesus, they literally bring a white dove down and he like lands on his shoulder and like, you know. But no, it says the Spirit, like a dove, okay, descending on him on Jesus, okay? How does a dove descend? Like that, right? So this is how John saw the Spirit of God. He saw the Spirit come out of the heavenly realm, out of the spiritual realm, and like, <sighs> land on Jesus. All right? Are you guys still picturing all this? Sorry for my antics, but I want, I want us to see this. And then it says, and, and a voice came out of heaven saying, you are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased and delighted. Get this, we have the Trinity in action right here. We have Jesus, the Son of God, God in the flesh, the Christ, the Messiah, right? And then we have the Spirit of God coming on him, and then we have the voice of the Father speaking to him. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all acting right there, okay, in one accord. And then it says, immediately the Holy Spirit, <laughs> I don't like when I read this, but it's true. It says, immediately the Holy Spirit forced him out into the wilderness. Because Jesus had to go do something for us. He had to go be tempted like we were. Okay? The Holy Spirit forced him out into the wilderness. Say, the Holy Spirit doesn't force people. He's a gentleman. Well, you know... <sighs> Sometimes, I've felt him force me to do stuff before. Most of the time, he's gentle and come on. But there are times when the Holy Spirit's like, do it, right? It says the Holy Spirit forced him into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted to do evil by Satan. Not just any demon, by Satan himself, okay? Came and tempted Jesus. Now, read Matthew 3 and Luke 3 and you'll know Jesus was tempted, but did he give in to any temptation? 
No, we'll come back to that too. All right, he overcame and he was with the wild animals. Just think about that too. Just pause and think like he was out in the, in the desert with the wild animals by himself. I mean, in our desert in the southwest, we had coyotes and, and snakes and tarantulas and scorpions and uh, mountain lions and, and uh, yeah. I don't know exactly what wild animals were in the wilderness of Israel, but he was out there with the wild animals, y'all, by himself. Thankfully, it says angels ministered continually to him. (laughs) Verse 14 and 15. Now, after John the Baptist was arrested and taken into custody, I'm not going to take time on that. Go read in the other Gospels. Actually, we get to that exact story later on in Mark. But we know that John, because he stood for righteousness, uh, they arrested him. And it ended up actually, yeah. So, It says, uh, after he was arrested and taken into custody, Jesus went to Galilee, preaching the good news of the kingdom of God and saying, the appointed time or the appointed period of time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand, at hand. Come on, show me your hand. Where is your hand? Come on, touch it. Can you touch your hand? When Jesus said, the kingdom... The kingdom of God is at hand. What he was saying is the kingdom of God is right there in front of you. It's so close. You can touch it. It's right there. Okay? The kingdom of God is here. Repent. (laughs) Repent. Come on, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a greater explanation to this, but imagine you're walking along, going your way, doing your own thing, and all of a sudden the kingdom of God is right there. Right there. Repent means. Okay? Stop going your way and go that direction. All right? The kingdom of God, y'all, is here. It's not coming. It is coming in fullness. When Jesus returns, right, and all the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdom of our God. Absolutely. But the kingdom of God is at hand. It's here. It's not far away from you. It's at hand. It's so close you can touch it. All you got to do is turn. Repent. Okay? Repent. Change your inner self. Your old way of thinking. Regret past sins and live your life in a way that proves Repentance, that proves you've turned. Seek God's purpose for your life and believe with a deep abiding trust in the good news regarding salvation. Whoo, did you learn anything yet this morning? Come on, who loves the gospel of Jesus Christ? It's the good news. Today, I just want to focus on two very important main uh, points for Mark 1, 1 through 15, okay? They're going to be very easy to remember because it's two baptisms. Today, I want to teach you a little bit about, number one, the baptism of repentance, and number two, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, okay? The baptism of repentance and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Are you ready? Baptism of repentance, number one, all right? If you're following along, number one, the baptism of repentance is a much more complete 
terminology for water baptism, okay? Most people refer to this baptism as simply water baptism or being baptized in water because we do baptize in water, right? But the correct term and actually what John called it, what the gospel here calls it, it doesn't say that John preached water baptism. It says he preached a baptism of repentance. It, it actually had very little to do with the water, y'all. I mean, those of you that have been baptized in water, you know the water ain't magic, right? I was baptized twice in water because the first time I hadn't repented and it wasn't magic, so it didn't do the trick. But the second time I had repented, and so when I was baptized in water, it actually meant something. Because water baptism is just an outward expression of the baptism of repentance. It has very little to do with the water. It has everything to do with the heart and the mind. In fact, water baptism without repentance is useless. It's just another religious activity. Just like taking communion if you don't understand the cross, the blood of Jesus. It's just another religious thing people do. Water baptism without repentance really isn't powerful. It doesn't do anything except get you wet. Because water baptism, the baptism of repentance, has very little to do with the water. It has everything to do with what's going on in our heart and in our mind. Okay? So uh, I like to, to, to call the water baptism a baptism of preparation. Water baptism demonstrates something and prepares us for something. And again, not so much the water baptism, but repentance demonstrates something outwardly, right? The baptism of repentance, but it also prepares us for something. Water baptism is all about repentance. In fact, do you guys remember what John told the Pharisees when they came out and wanted to get in the water? Remember what he told them? Nobody remembers? Y'all need to read your Bible. Yeah. They came, the Pharisees, who were just religious folks who thought they knew it all, and their hearts were far from God, and they came to John. Everybody else was coming. They were being baptized, and they were confessing their sins and all this. And The Pharisees came to John, and he said, no. <laughs> no. He wouldn't baptize them. He denied baptism to them. He said, I, I will not, basically, in essence, I will not baptize you. He actually called them snakes. <laughs> he called them, you brood of vipers, you bunch of snakes, right? How many of you would like to be called that by the last Old Testament prophet? Because they were serious. <laughs> you bunch of snakes. You just want to have an outward religion, but there's no repentance in your heart. And he told them, go and prove by your actions 
that you have repented. Almost kind of like, then come back and we'll talk about the water. See, it's all about repentance. Now, so let's talk a little bit about repentance because repentance isn't what a lot of people think it is. In fact, I know that for a long time when I heard the word repentance or repent, it was sort of like a negative word. Almost like it had like a, like a, like a negative or sad connotation. But in fact, repent, the word repent is a very positive word. Come on, say repentance is positive. Repent, let me, let me just first tell you what repentance is not, all right? Are we ready? Repentance is more than just guilt. Because this is what guilt says, I did something bad, right? Guilt is, I did, it's the feeling of I did something bad. Anybody ever had guilt? Okay. Guilt is just that feeling of I did something bad, okay? But repentance is also more than shame, because guilt is I did something bad. Shame is I am bad, right? Shame is you take it as a part of your identity. I am bad. I'm a bad person, right? And just admitting I did something bad or I'm a bad person, that's not repentance. How many times have I known I've done something bad and I just kept doing it anyway? And I felt bad for doing it as a person, but I did it anyway again. That wasn't repentance. Repentance is not just feeling bad. It's not guilt. It's not just thinking you're bad. Shame. Repentance is also, get this, repentance is more than just confession. Repentance is more than just I admit it. Right? I admit what I did. No. Repentance, the word repentance means to change. It literally means to change. Okay? Repentance means to change and it means to turn. All right? It literally means to turn. All right? I'll illustrate this in just a minute a little bit more. But the word in Greek for repent or repentance is, anybody know it? Metanoia. All right? Sounds like a great name for a heavy metal band. Metanoia. All right. But <laughs> metanoia. Metallica. Metanoia. No. So, but metanoia in Greek literally means a lifestyle change. That's metanoia. A change in my way of living. Come on, say, metanoia. But actually, it's a really positive word, so let's say, metanoia. Metanoia, or repentance, doesn't mean I feel bad for what I've done wrong. It means I stop doing what I've done wrong. It implies an, a literal turning away from something and changing our lifestyle. That's what repentance means. Listen, you can feel guilty and shameful all day long and even confess it and stay the same. Repentance means this is the way I'm going. And all of a sudden the Holy Spirit says, this is not the right way. That's the right way. All right, I'll go that way. Repentance means a turn, a change. I abandon my current path and I take on a new path. It doesn't mean I'm going to keep going this way and just try to make it better. No, this is the wide path that leads to destruction. And just off to your right is the narrow path that leads to life. 
And what God is saying to do is abandon this path altogether. Don't try to figure out how to make your path better. Don't try to fix your path. No, abandon this path and go the other way. Go in a different direction. That's what repentance means. That was the message of water baptism from John. A lifestyle change. To repent means to turn, literally from one direction to a new direction. But it doesn't just mean to turn away from something. It literally means a course change, like a change of course. Like if you put in your GPS, right? Miami. And there you go to Miami. And all of a sudden, I shouldn't go to Miami. I should go to New Orleans. You know, you can't keep following your GPS to Miami if you want to make it to New Orleans. You've literally got to change the coordinates or the whatever you call that destination. And it will, it'll turn you west instead of south. Literally, that's what repentance looks like. Like, this is the way I'm going in life. I'm doing things this way. And then the Holy Spirit says, and the word of God says, no, that's not the right way. This is the right way. Okay, I changed my mind. I'm not going that way anymore. I'm not going to Miami anymore. I'm going to go to New Orleans instead. Or maybe Denver, that's prettier. Okay. Well, yeah, I'll take some gumbo. All right. But we have to be careful in understanding the full meaning of metanoia, of repentance. It's not just turning away from something. It's not just I'm bad, I was bad, and now I'm trying to be good. No. Come on, this is so important. This is, this is probably the most important under thing, about, the thing to understand about repentance. It's not just turning away from something. It's turning to someone. Okay? John didn't just preach, and Jesus preached the same thing. He didn't just preach, turn away from sin. He said, turn away from sin and turn to God. So repentance means I turn away from that which is dis, that doesn't please God, that which keeps me from God, I turn away, I abandon it, I change my mind, no more, I'm not doing that anymore, I'm not living that way anymore, I'm not thinking that way anymore, I'm not talking that way anymore, I'm not watching that anymore, I'm not relating to those people anymore that way, I'm not sleeping with her anymore. But it's not just, let me get rid of my bad life and try to be good. That's not repentance. Two days later, you're going to be right back in it. Hello? If you turn away from something that was your life and don't turn your heart and your life and your soul completely over to something new, you'll go back. Repentance is to turn away from sin, that thing which kept you far from God. And now you have full liberty. You have total freedom to turn all the way to God. Come on, somebody say, 
from sin to God. That's what repentance is. And water baptism is simply, it's the public declaration that I've made that decision. Water baptism is the public display of metanoia. Water baptism is saying, look, water baptism isn't, normally isn't the moment you do repent, although I've seen people be baptized on the spot. How cool is that, right? But to be baptized in water is, is, is actually just an outward public uh, uh, display, proclamation, right, of something that already happened in you. I already repented. I already metanoified. okay? I already turned my heart. My lifestyle has already turned away from sin. I've turned my heart completely over to God, and I want to get in the water to demonstrate death to that old life. Now I got a new life. See, the baptism of repentance is just demonstrated through water baptism, okay? If you've never been water baptized in February, at the end of February, we're going to have an opportunity for anyone who wants to be water baptized to be water baptized, okay? In Lake Alatoona. Just kidding. That's where we normally do water baptisms, but not at the end of February. Okay, we'll, we'll figure out a way to make it a little more bearable. After the encounter retreats towards the end of February, we'll have some water baptisms. And I want you, some of you just need to go ahead and decide, I'm going to do that. I have changed my life. I have repented. I have turned my life over to God. I have a new life. I need to proclaim it, right? I need to let everybody know through water baptism. Now, just hold on because we've had, we haven't even got to the good stuff yet. John's message and baptism of repentance prepared the way for Jesus to come. The message of repentance prepared the way for Jesus to come. Now, this, this, this is important. Repentance prepares our hearts for Jesus to come. Repentance prepares our hearts for Jesus to come, to receive Jesus. In fact, contrary to a lot of what's preached today in Western churches, the one and only way I can receive Jesus is to repent. There is no receiving Jesus Christ without repentance. You can say you believe. You can pray a magical prayer. Repeat these words after me. Now you're saved. Did you repent? Because if you did, you are. But if you didn't, all you did was waste your religious breath. Even the demons confess the lordship of Jesus Christ. They know who he is, but he's not their Lord. The only way to truly receive Jesus is to repent. Now, I didn't say the only way to receive Jesus is to get your life all totally perfect and in order and then finally he'll come. No. Because read the gospel. 
But to receive Jesus, we can't just act like, oh, let me, yeah, Jesus, I'm going to add him to my life. Maybe he'll make my life better. Uh-uh. He won't make your life better. He'll kill your life. And he'll give you a new life worth living. Hello, the cross? I'm glad Jesus didn't just come into the earth and do a bunch of miracles to make our life better. No, he went and died on a cross like a criminal. He took our sins on himself and suffered and died like a criminal for us. If you give your life to Jesus, it's going to be a totally radically changed life. And yes, everyone's process can look different. But I will tell you this. If you, if you haven't repented of your sins, you haven't received Jesus Christ. You haven't. You may have said you have, but if you haven't repented, you have not received him. But today you can. In fact, you don't need to wait for me to end this sermon to pray a special prayer for you. Right there, sitting in your seat, right now, if you realize, I need to truly repent. I need to truly turn away from sin and really, truly turn my heart over to God. Right there where you are. Just call on Jesus right now. But the baptism, the repentance baptism, prepares us for a much greater baptism. Which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Are you ready for this one? Jesus' baptism in the Holy Spirit that John promised far supersedes John's water baptism. Some of you are having trouble with what I just said. Look at the word of God. The baptism in the Holy Spirit given by Jesus, listen, is greater than, more powerful than, water baptism, which is done by man. We get baptized in water by another person. It's, it's, it's an outward proclamation. But Jesus is the one who baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. John said, we just read it, someone greater than I, so much greater than I am, that I, I'm not even qualified to be his slave. Someone that much greater than I am. He's coming, and I only baptize you in water, but he's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Listen, I, 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 I want us to truly grasp a hold of this. This is sound biblical doctrine. Listen, as much greater as Jesus was than John the Baptist, that's how much greater baptism in the Holy Ghost is than baptism in water. Okay? Are they both important? Absolutely. If you have not been baptized in water for repentance, you must. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes from Jesus himself. Water bat, let, let, let me try to break this down a little bit more. John said so much greater than I. He was preferring both to Jesus and to Jesus' baptism. Okay? Jesus is greater than I, and what he do, will do is greater than what I do. Okay? So, water baptism, or the, again, the better term is baptism of 
Repentance, water baptism, right? Baptism in water or repentance baptism was in essence, it wasn't that John was preparing the way for Jesus, okay? But John's baptism was preparing the way for the new baptism that was going to come. The baptism of repentance was preparing the way so that the baptism of the Holy Spirit could come on the scene. Because you can't have the Holy Spirit without repentance. Now, let me give you a little disclaimer here. I've heard people, they're just just so much. Listen, and I know we all get it wrong sometimes. That's why you need to read your Bible a lot, all the time, every day. Read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation once a year, every year for the rest of your life. And if you can do it more, do it more. We've got to get the Word of God in us to not think goofy things. It's a lot of well-meaning, truly dedicated, passionate, loyal Christians following Jesus with all their heart. And sometimes we just think the goofiest stuff. And then you read the Bible and you're like, wow. (laughs) Why do I believe that? Okay, let me give you one. I've heard this. For someone to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, they first must be baptized in water. Like the X, all right? <laughs> Wrong, okay? Wrong. There's an, uh, 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 in, in the book of Acts, this group of people that the Holy Spirit, they're preaching the gospel to them, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit falls on them, boom, and it says they begin to speak in other tongues and all this stuff happens. The Holy Spirit fell, fell on them. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit, and then they were like, well, now they have the Holy Spirit. We ought to baptize them in water. It's obvious they already repented because they got the Holy Spirit. So let's do the baptism. So don't get wonky and goofy. The Bible is not. Instead of using the Bible to try to justify what we believe, we ought to go to the Bible and let it create what we believe. Okay? Now, please bear with me on this. If you've never been baptized in water, please be baptized in water. But if you've not yet been baptized in water, that doesn't mean you can't be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I've, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit before my second baptism in water, before I really meant it, okay? I've known many people who were filled with the Holy Spirit, and then they got... But one thing we do have to understand is that, again, it's not about the water. What is necessary before you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit is repentance. Remember, it's the baptism of repentance. But once repentance happens in the heart, the very next millisecond, you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. Repentance gets the junk out of the way. Repentance empties our house. And then the Holy Spirit comes and fills our house. Repentance, oh, this, this is good. Some of y'all are gonna get happy with this, I hope. All right. Repentance is the way into God's kingdom. Okay? It's the only way in. Repentance is the only way in. But the fullness of the Holy Spirit 
is the lifestyle of God's kingdom. Repentance gets us in, right, and keeps us in. Because <laughs> you don't want to repent and go back. But repentance keeps us in, keeps us turned the right direction. But to live in the kingdom, you need to be full of the Holy Spirit. <sighs> the baptism, another way to say it is the baptism of repentance. Maybe you want to look at me for a second. The baptism of repentance from sin, remember? The baptism of repentance from sin prepares me for the baptism of the Holy Spirit to God, right? Yeah? The baptism of the Holy Spirit, oh, this is another one that ought to make you shout. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is the fullness of the new covenant. He said, I thought it was forgiveness. Uh-uh. Thank God for forgiveness, for without forgiveness, there is no new covenant. <laughs> but forgiveness is, imagine if that was all there was. Well, praise God, I'm forgiven. But forgiveness just opens the door for this whole new realm of possibilities. It truly is a whole new world. <laughs> like, really? When you repent, when I repent, the door to an entire new world, an entire new world of possibilities is opened. And it's the fullness of the new covenant. What do I mean by that? The new covenant cut by Jesus' blood. The covenant of grace, not the covenant of law. It's not the covenant of I've got to do this and this and this and not do this and this and this to be right with God. No, the new covenant is the covenant of grace where God literally, by his spirit, writes the do's and the don'ts in our heart and in our mind. I have to turn away from sin. But when I do, when I turn to God, the new covenant comes into my life, takes over my life. I'm forgiven. I'm cleansed. I'm set free. I'm delivered. I can get healed and all of this. But let me tell you, the fullness of the new covenant is this. Y'all ready? Okay? The fullness of the new covenant is God in me and me in God. God's purpose, his plan, his dream all along. The fullness of the new covenant is the barrier of sin got removed by the cross so now I can be in God. Oh, but he can also be in me. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is that fullness. God in you and you in God. Another way I like to describe it is the baptism of the Holy Spirit is God's tangible presence, not just inside the temple, but on the temple, right? Upon the temple. And Jesus said the Holy Spirit will come upon you and give you power. Now, Matthew describes the baptism of the Holy Spirit as the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. 
The baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. In fact, look, Matthew 3.11, John said, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not worthy to be a slave or carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fuego, right? With fire. In other words, <laughs> this baptism, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, it's all-consuming and it's purifying. You can't hide nothing from fire. If there's fire, come on, you play with fire, you're gonna get burned, but we aren't playing. <laughs> if you get the fire, the Holy Spirit is the fire, by the way. The fire is the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is the fire, okay? If I get the fire, there's no way to prevent it from burning me on the inside. And fire cleanses, it purifies, it purges. Whatever it can burn, it'll burn. Only things that aren't burnable don't get burned. And guess what? The only things in our life that, that are not burnable, that is not a word, is it? But you know what I'm saying. Only the character and the holiness of Jesus won't be burned up by the fire of the Holy Spirit, but everything else progressively will just be burned away until we look like Jesus. That's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it will consume every part of your life. But you have to receive it and you have to walk in it, okay? Bear with me. Because the baptism of the Holy Spirit Yes, there is an initial experience. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not just a one-time experience. you got to have it the first time. Hello. But it's an ongoing. What does it mean to be baptized? Anybody know that one? It means to be taken under, to be submerged, to be immersed. Okay? Get this. The picture... Because remember, the, the, the Bible is a lot of word pictures, right? The picture of water baptism, of repentance, is in and out. The picture of Holy Spirit baptism is in there permanently. Yeah? That's why you continue to read, and they, uh, it's referred to as the fullness of the Spirit. Okay? The fullness of the Holy Spirit. Bear with me. I'm almost done with this. Okay? Um, it's, uh, uh, I've, I've, many people have said it's one baptism but many fillings come on tap your neighbor and say one baptism many fillings we are listen we are initially baptized in the Holy Spirit but we should live our lives constantly being filled and refilled and refilled and refilled we shouldn't just be in and out, one and done. Hallelujah, shaka talamanda, right? Ta ta ta, bo bo bo, done, done. No, 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 no. We need to get in and we need to stay in, submerged in Him. 
Whoo. He's here right now. I literally could feel like the river of God just come. Just come in. Come on, y'all. Look, we're initially baptized in the Holy Spirit, but we ought to be filled and refilled. Okay, you're like, prove it to me in the Bible. All right. Acts chapter 2. Verses 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound came from heaven like the rushing, like a rushing violent wind. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. There appeared to them tongues resembling fire, okay, which were being distributed among them, and they rested on each one of them as each person received the Holy Spirit. You cannot receive your mom's Holy Ghost. Come on, hey, I was in youth ministry for a long time. A lot of the kids were filled with the Holy Spirit and their parents weren't, okay? You can't receive your wife's Holy Spirit. Each one of them got their own tongue, their own flame, their own fire. You must, come on, tell somebody, you gotta have your own fire. Come on, turn to somebody else and say, Fogu. Fogu. We have a lot of Spanish and Portuguese speakers in our congregation, and I'm just trying to. Fogo, right? Fuego. And all, ooh, look at this. All were filled with the whole, all of them, all, every, all, all, all of everybody. They were filled. That is diffused throughout their being. With the, think of it. It's like when you have a glass of water and you take a lemon and you squeeze it. It doesn't just like land on the top and, whoo, I got lemon in my water. No. It diffuses. It goes all the way. It touches all the way to the bottom. All right? It fills the whole glass of water. That's what it's like to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He will diffuse throughout your entire being. Holy Spirit will show, show you parts of you that you didn't even know were in there. They were all diffused throughout their being, filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other tongues or different languages as the Spirit was giving them the ability to speak out clearly and appropriately. Now, why did I read that one? Because I want you to look in Acts chapter 4. Quite a few of the very exact same people in Acts chapter 2 are present in Acts chapter 4. And when they had prayed, the place where they were meeting together was shaken, a sign of God's presence. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness and courage. You're talking about people that had been filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts 2. Some of the same ones getting filled with the Holy Spirit again in Acts 4. Why? One baptism, many fillings. Paul taught be being filled. He said, don't be drunk with wine because that's stupid. Literally, that's basically what it means. Okay? He said, don't be drunk with wine, with wine because that's stupid. With lime. Yeah. Don't be drunk with lime either. But don't, don't be drunk with alcohol. Literally, the next phrase in our common language would be because that's stupid. It leads to debauchery. It ruins your life. Okay. Don't be drunk with alcohol because that leads you nowhere. But then he said, instead, instead of that pleasure that lasts momentary, he says, instead, be 
being filled with the Holy Spirit. Present, continuous. Not hope you got filled and I hope it was good. He said, be filled, live filled, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, final couple of little things here. The evidence of the fullness of the Holy Spirit is not just speaking in tongues. We're not filled with the Holy Spirit just so we can pray in tongues. I mean, it's like one of my favorite things to do. It's one of my favorite part of my relationship with God. Because the Bible says when I pray in tongues, it's like the Spirit of God inside of me praying through me. I mean, how cool is that? But the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit isn't just so we can speak in tongues, okay? The baptism of the Holy Spirit, again, let me just say that. Speaking in tongues is the initial evidence, okay? It's what happens most of the time when someone is first filled with the Spirit, okay? And I've seen it. Some people get it at first. Some people get it later. But one thing for sure is that your supernatural, heavenly prayer language, that is available to anyone and everyone who wants it, okay? If you want to pray in tongues, if you want to pray in the Spirit, you can, you can be filled with the Holy Spirit and you can receive that, okay? It's, it, it, it's, it's said to be the initial evidence of receiving the fullness of, Holy, of the Holy Spirit. But the ongoing evidence of fullness? Okay. The evidence of being full of the Holy Spirit isn't that I can speak in tongues. That just means I got filled with the Holy Spirit at some point. The evidence that I'm full of the Holy Spirit is that I'm full. Hello? Okay. The, again, word pictures from the Bible. This word full or fullness, when it says full, literally that word means it's not full until it starts to spill out. Okay? Until a glass starts to spill out, it's not totally full. Okay, the only way for it to be full is for there not to be one little bit of room for one more drop. Fullness, the fullness of the Holy Spirit is evidenced when the Holy Spirit spills out of me over onto other people. Thank God for speaking in tongues. I pray, you know, Paul said, I pray in tongues more than all of you. Thank God for it. I pray in tongues every day, many times a day. It's wonderful. In fact, it's, it's one way to like get the fullness going, right? To pray in the Holy Spirit. But fullness of the Holy Spirit means to be full. And guess what? If you've poured out a little bit, what happened? You need to be poured back into, right? So full of God's presence and power that it overflows onto others. I love, I love this quote. This is from, um, I don't know if anybody of you have read Resting Place. Resting Place is a book uh, by Bill Johnson from last year. He said this, get this. 
He said, the Holy Spirit is in me for my sake, but the Holy Spirit is upon me for your sake. The Holy Spirit is in me for my sake, yes, for my relationship with Jesus. But the Holy Spirit is upon me, the fullness of the Holy Spirit for, your, for others' sake, so that the Holy Spirit in me can spill out onto others and bless and affect others. As we close, three benefits of Holy Spirit baptism. Ready? Quick. Three benefits of Holy Spirit baptism. First, the Holy Spirit reveals our identity. When, G when the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus and rested on Jesus, what did the voice say? This is my son. You want to know who you really are? You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He will reveal your true identity. Second benefit of Holy Spirit baptism. The Holy Spirit gives us power to resist the devil and overcome temptation. Read the accounts of the Gospels. Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. He went into the wilderness. He was tempted by the devil and he overcame every moment. He was tempted and overcame for us. And, 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 and if I'm going to truly overcome the enemy and overcome temptation, I need to be full. Come on, listen. I've experienced this. When I've sinned, it's because there was room in my life for it. But if I'm full, there's no room for sin. He'll reveal your identity. He'll give you power to resist the devil and overcome temptation. And finally, the Holy Spirit empowers us for our purpose. Because the very next thing we read after Jesus is baptized in the Holy Spirit, he goes into the wilderness. He comes out, in the, out of the wilderness, and it says immediately he goes and he begins to preach the kingdom of God. He be, then we begin to see him. He begins to cast out demons. demons. He begins to heal the sick. He was empowered for his purpose. Jesus was the son of God from the moment of conception. But Jesus didn't display the power of God until he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Jesus was who he was when he was 2 and 12 and 29. But until he was filled with the Holy Spirit, did he actually come into his purpose to heal the sick, to set the captive free, to preach the good news the Holy Spirit, listen, you have a purpose. And the Holy Spirit will empower you for it. Have you entered God's kingdom through repentance? I didn't say, have you prayed a magical prayer? Have you been to church a lot? Have you even read the Bible? Have you come to an altar? All of that's good. I, I believe in the sinner's prayer as long as it's repenting from sin <laughs> and turning to him. Have you entered into the kingdom of God through repentance? 
Listen, if you have not yet, the great, amazing news is it's at hand. It's right in front of you. The kingdom of God is right there, so close. You can t- all you got to do is turn and enter in. Turn away from sin. Turn away from sin. Say, but I'm a Christian. Have you turned away from sin? Turn away from it. Reject it. Abandon it. Said to me, no, tomorrow I'm going to be perfect. No. No. I find myself constantly turning more and more and more. But if you're living a life in sin today, turn away. Turn your heart over to Him and you'll enter the kingdom of God. And again, if you need to be water baptized, we're going to have that opportunity here in a few weeks. But first of all, turn to him. What I want to do right now is ask, as we close, I know that right now is a very easy moment to get up and down and move around and get distracted and talk to other people. But don't do that, please. If we could just, just another minute of reverence in the presence of God, if we could just all stand. Try to keep our distractions to a minimum. Jesus. God's grace is here and his power is here. His presence is here. His anointing is here. Today, today, now, not another day, not later on. Today, he's calling you, he's inviting you, enter into my kingdom. Believe in and believe on Jesus as not just the Lord, but make him your Lord. We repent of our sins, Lord. Lord, we repent of sin itself, our lifestyle of sin. And we turn our heart to you, Jesus. We believe. I believe. Come on, some of you, listen, some of you need to pray this for yourself today and make it your own. I believe, Jesus, that you were tempted in every way and you never sinned. You who knew no sin became sin for me. And you were hung, nailed to a cross, Jesus so that my sins could be forgiven, so that I could be washed clean, so that my old life could be gone and I could have a new life. Jesus, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe in what you did on the cross for me. Come on, somebody's praying this today for the first time or or you, you thought you had, but today you realize this is my day to really truly mean it. Come on, Jesus. I call on you. The Bible says, call on the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. You may not know all that it means. You may not fully understand it. 
But if you'll just turn your, your heart away from sin, and you turn your heart to Him and call on Him, He'll save you. He'll save you right now. He'll set you free from sin. He'll give you a new life. It'll be eternal life. Come on, I can't move beyond this. Jesus, I call on you today. Save me. Save me from my sins. I believe you carried them in your own body, in your own soul and spirit. And you hung on the cross in my place. You paid my penalty, Jesus. So I repent. I no longer, today I decide, I will no longer live the way I've been living because it's keeping me far from you. It's keeping me away from you. God, I say no to that lifestyle. I change my mind. I make a new decision. I turn my heart, my life into a new direction towards you. Set me free. I repent. Oh, I repent, Jesus. Come with some of you that are saved and you know you're saved. You know you've repented. But today the Holy Spirit has really convicted you about an area of sin in your life. Say, I repent. I repent. I repent. Come on, I don't know what else to do, but just to say the altar is open. If anyone needs to take a step towards the Lord, maybe you need to even take a physical step and come here and, and respond to Him. Stand in His presence or get on your knees or whatever. You can do it there in your seat. You can come to the altar. But Jesus, today we turn from ourselves. We turn from our own ways. We turn. Come on, people of God. We turn from tolerating sin that we know is sin. We know it from your word is sin. But we've tolerated it. I've tolerated it. In my life, even being your, your child, I've tolerated and call it what it is. Call it what it is. God, it's sin. And today I changed my mind. I say no more. By your grace, no more. By your grace, I turn away. By your grace, I turn to you, Jesus. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through his word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.